Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. faith tonight. Um, oh, happy Father's Day to all the dads. It's my first Father's Day. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Got a beautiful little daughter down there. First Father's Day. It was pretty cool. We, you know, spent Father's Day at the doctors. Yeah, so cool. At the doctors looking after our little girl. Welcome to fatherhood, you know. Two hours at the doctors waiting. So glorious. So glorious. But um, as I said, we're talking around, we're talking around uh, faith uprising and there's... Um, I think there's lots of things you can talk about in faith, and I'm usually the kind of guy who wants to talk about, you know, the big faith things, and, you know, yell and scream, and do all that kind of thing, and not to get, just that's how I, how I do things, but um, I'm that kind of guy, and there's all these different applications and realms of faith. I think there's, there's faith for healing. Some, some people have the faith for healing. I think there's uh, faith for miracles. Uh, I think there's faith, you know, if you want to prophesy of, I think there's faith to do, there's all sorts of different realms of faith that people have. And, um, you know, there's even faith to move mountains, Paul says. You know, there's faith to move mountains. But tonight, I want to talk about something. I want to pull it back a little bit into all those things for other people. And I want to, I want to discuss just briefly around this whole thing about what about faith in yourself? What about faith in yourself and the core that God has placed on your life? Because um, I don't know about you guys, but I know that uh, I'm going to say we are our own worst critics, aren't we? Yeah, are we our own worst critics, seriously? You know, we beat ourselves up on the inside while smiling at everybody else and, you know, how you going? I'm good. You know, I'm a wretched little soul. All these kinds of things. We have this funny thing going on. And I know that I've, I've uh, come to church and, and, and someone's preached an awesome message and worship was amazing and I feel like I walk out thinking I can conquer the world and the very next day I find myself doubting myself. The very next day, like, bang, like that. Like, what's that all about? What is that all about? Why do we... Why do we just to and fro all the time? This, yeah, I believe I can. God has called me. Yeah, I'm, I'm out there. Bring, give, come on, enemy, you devil, bring it on. I'll take you on. The next day, you're, you know, you're gone. The next day, you're doubting. Just, man, how am I even called? You know, am I even, am I even a Christian? For goodness' sake, you know, <laughs> that kind of deal. So I want to talk about just briefly. Uh, talk around Abraham, the, the father of faith. The Bible says briefly around Abraham and um, the call that he got and and how he actually navigated through that. Is that cool? Beautiful. So um, what's the time? Just so I know where I'm going. Beautiful. Why don't we turn to your Bibles, please? I'll just to Genesis 12.1, to the call of Abraham. I'm going to rock on her all over there. Who's got their Bibles? All my leaders got their Bibles. Yeah. Sorry? Girls at the drums here, they were freaking out. Love them. I've got my Bible. I really have. Um, and I want to go to the call of Abraham. And um, it's significant. And this is, what, this is what God says to Abraham. He says, get out of your country. Isn't that amazing? Get out of your country from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Beautiful. I love it. At the start, it says, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. Now, let's just flip over, please, to Hebrews, verse 11. And we're going to bring that up, actually. Um, if you can throw that up there. Hebrews verse 11, I'm going I'm to 
go to a different translation. I'm going to go to NIV. Yes, baby. Yes, Miami. Um, so it's Hebrews 11, verse 8 to 10. And it says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Verse 9, By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Um, I love that. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger. Now, Abraham was promised stuff. He was promised land, okay? He says, by faith, he, was, he made his home in, in the land that was promised to him. My question to everyone tonight is this. What has God promised you? What has God promised you? Okay, and that's an interesting question because I believe it, it actually shakes a few calls on the inside of people. Who knows what, they, what God has called them to do? Who, who can actually put their head up and foot down and say, I know what God has called me to do? Isn't that amazing? Four people out of a church full of people know that what God has called them to do. Isn't, do you find that interesting? I find it very intriguing. Very intriguing. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger. Now, Abraham, like I said, Abraham, his promise was land. What is your promise? What has God promised you? Because the Bible tells us that you have been created with a purpose. You've been created with a call. You've been created with a promise. That's what the Bible says, that you actually, we've all, we've all got one. We've all been purposed. When he created you, God, he, when he created you, he says, you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm going to shape something. And, this, you know, you know, and he's taken into account all your little um, quirks. Who's quirky? Thank you, Luke. Um, all your quirks, all your strengths, and all your weaknesses, he's taken that all into account, and he says, I have a call just for you. I have a call tailored specifically for you and the way that you are. And that's encouraging because a lot of people say, oh, I can't do it. Well, you can't, because God's actually tailored a call for you personally. It's your call. You've been created specifically for the call. Amen? Yeah. So what have you been called to do? Um, and uh, sometimes, sometimes you forget. Sometimes uh, if you're a young Christian, you don't know how to navigate things. But I think through your Christian life, either through uh, God speaking to you in prayer, through uh, prophecy, someone else prophesying over your life, or through the Word, someone has spoken the call of God or the promise of God over your life. Somewhere along the line, someone has said something from God that, that actually explains what you've called to do. Would you agree? Yeah. Okay, beautiful. Save, 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 save. And um, back to my message. And I love what, what, what Abraham, what God told Abraham to do. He says, I want you to leave your place, your, your, your land. I said, well, where, where are you from? I want you to leave your family, and I want you to leave, uh, come from out of your father's household. And I believe God does that because sometimes we uh, inhabit or we, we, what's the word I use? I had some really good words here. We limit or we belittle the call of God on our lives because of the people around us. Sometimes we, have, we are tempted to actually belittle the call of God that God has placed on your life purely because of the people around you. 
okay? Sometimes you've got to leave where you're from. You've got to leave your family behind. Sometimes you've got to leave all that kind of stuff, your lineage, because it'll actually hold you back from moving into the core that God has placed on your life. Rightio? See, I'm from New Zealand, and it doesn't matter if I'm from New Zealand, and it doesn't matter if I've got a brother in prison, and it doesn't matter if I'm from a bad lineage, I still have a call of God on my life, and it's still coming to pass. And the same thing is for you. You still have a call of God on your life. You have a call of God, every single one of you have a call of God on your life. And I love the very next thing. Oh, where is he, Danny? By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger. When you find out what your promise is, you've got to make your home in it. You've got to make your home in it. You've got to, some Bible, other translators say they, he dwelt in the land that God had promised him. That means I don't visit the call on my life, the call of God on my life on a Sunday only. No, no, I make my home in what God has called me to do. Are you with me? And that's, that's, that's going to be a little confronting for people. It's a little scary. Would you agree? You've got to make your home in what God has called you to do. You don't visit it. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a preacher on Sunday and Sunday only. No, no, no. God wants you to walk and talk what he has called you to do every single day of your life. He actually wants you to own it. I'm going to build my house. That means I have to clear a little bit of land, get some stuff out of my life that needs to be gotten out of my life. But I am actually going to make my home in what God has called me to do. I'm going to dwell there. I'm going to sleep there. I'm going to dream about it. I'm going to eat it. Well, that's weird, but, you know, <laughs> I'm going to eat it. What a Mary. God wants you to dwell. He wants you to set up home, set up tent in what he has called you to do. And that is so hard. I know for me personally, um, that's been a struggle. Personally, that's been a struggle for me. It's like, yeah, you know, I kind of, I'll get into that a bit later. But for me, that's been a bit of a struggle. I've known that God has called me to do something. I've known that God, but I've let these other things actually stop me from stepping in and making it my home and actually owning it. And I love the little fact here, it says, wrong one again. Let's pop that up there. I love the fact that it also said this, that he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. When God calls you to do something, it always feels weird. It always feels weird. Why? Because it's bigger than you. You always feel strange doing it. It has to be bigger than you. Otherwise, it's not from God. Are you with me? When God calls you to do something, you feel like an alien. When you're doing it, you feel like an alien in a strange land thinking, what the heck am I doing here? That's the nature of the call of God at the start. You walk into something that it's big. It's bigger than who you are. The first time I actually got up and preached the message, I thought, you have no idea who I am. You want me to get up there and preach that God stuff? And I felt like this alien in this strange land, like, I can't do this. I'm not created to do this. But that's the point. You're supposed to feel like that. You're supposed to feel inadequate. So you turn to God to do it. That's the point. God puts something bigger on your life to cause you to stretch, to cause you to actually seek him and go, okay, God, this is way out of my league. I need your help. I love that. So you feel like a stranger in a foreign land. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob. When you start on the call of God in your life, do not despise the days of small beginnings. Isn't that amazing? Here's this guy, the father of faith, dwelling in a tent. The greatest, you know, faith man in the Bible, he rocks it up and he builds a tent. 
no five-star, like, this is the man of God, you know, the guy who's going to bless all nations, and all nations are going to come from, sets up a tent. Wouldn't you think he had a five-star, little luxurious, you know, God says, I'll provide this way. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. And sometimes when you get out and you do what you've been called to do, whether it's start a business, whether it's be a preacher, whether it's be a leader, whether it's be an inventor, whether it be an entrepreneur, whatever it is, do not despise the day of small beginnings. It might feel like a tent at the start. It might feel like you're like, oh my gosh, this is unstable. Like, this is, like, this is not what I'm used to. This is a tent when the wind blows. Like, and I feel like that sometimes when you're doing what God's called you to do. Yeah, I'm going there next when the wind comes, you're like, oh. Oh, the deal is, I love what it says. It says, he said he, he lived, he dwelt in a tent, but later on he says, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Yeah. I love that. He dwelt in a tent, but because his foundations were God, any storm could come. Any tornado could come and he wasn't getting blown away because his foundation's God. Are you with me? And so, um, I want to remind people tonight that uh, there is a call for you. Put your hand up. Own it. Own it. There's a call for you. God has put something on your life. Um, I could go around the room and, and, you know, and and talk about some people's calls, but I won't. But God has placed something on your life. And and when you actually step into what God has placed on your life and you make your home there, something shifts. Something really shifts. And and I've, I've been in ministry on and off for 10 years or whatever. Um, and uh, I'd never made that commitment to make what God has called me to do my home. I'd never actually made my home in the call of God until prob- probably about a month ago. Yeah, what, a month ago? Honestly, probably about a month ago where I said, yep, God, I'm in. 100%. I ha- I'm, I'm actually going to dwell. I'm going to make my home and what you've called me to do. I'm not going to visit it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm actually going to, it's not going to be my Sunday thing and Friday night thing. This is the thing I'm going to live for the rest of my life. I'm going to make my home there. And the difference, when you actually make that decision, the difference is this, is um, for me, it's preaching. Um, The difference is this, I've found this, that I no longer do preaching, I am a preacher on the inside. Are you with me? That's the difference. When you make your home in it, it no longer becomes something that you do. It actually becomes who you are. It becomes who you are. No longer will you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I get up and preach on a Sunday. You say, no, no, I'm, I'm actually a preacher. And that's hard for me. To, I feel like a foreigner just saying that right now. I feel like, in, they're like even now I'm like, what? You're like, if I, if I said that in front of some of my family back in New Zealand, hey, apples and oh, oh. <laughs> I remember when you, when you were a kid, you're not a preacher. I feel like a foreigner saying that, but that's the deal. I've actually come to the point where I've said, I'm making my home in what God has called me to do. It's no longer something that I do, it's who I am. And I would hope that, uh, that uh, one day in your life, that you would actually do the same thing. That one day in your life, you would actually receive the call of God, hear it, understand what it is, and actually step into it and say, this is who I am. Because the deal is this, you are most fulfilled when you're doing what God has created you to do. You are most fulfilled. And I love it when someone steps into what they do, you see them shine. You just see them go to a whole, you know what I mean? Whole different level. There's just a different person when they actually step into what God has called them to do. So, like I said, 
You may be encouraged now, say, yes, I'm going to do that, right? I'm going to do what God's calling me to do. And then I just want to, I don't know how to say that actually, got that wrong. I want to uh, just briefly, in my experience, just give you a couple of uh, things that have actually pulled me away from that call. I just want to touch on a couple of things that have actually pulled me away from that call in the past. Is that okay? And the reason I want to do that is I want, I want people to, uh, I want to shine a light on, I want to bring understanding to what the enemy does to stop you from getting into the call that God has for you, okay? I want that, so I'm going to share it just, oh, that's gone away faster. I want to share probably two, maybe three things that I've learned, three little uh, strategies that I've learned that the enemy does to stop you from actually walking into what God has got you to do. First, first thing is you've got to know your call. You have a call on your life. You have one. Don't doubt it anymore. You have one. You've got a call on your life. And, um, and I would just want to, like I said, go around and talk about the things that I've learned that God has uh, shown me, the things that have actually tried to pull me away. So the first one is this. Worry. Worry is huge. Worry is massive. Worry is powerful. What do you mean worry? Like worry. Stop worrying. You get what I'm saying? Worry is a powerful force in the world. It really is. Worry. Bible says do not worry. He doesn't say try not to. It's not a suggestion. He says do not worry. Matthew 6.25. Bible also says be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing at all. Not for some things. No, he says be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story um, how, how this little revelation came about. I was, I was uh, at home once, and, and I was, you know, I was actually having a little bit of a quiet winter to God. I, I, you know, we, we weren't, you know, I was just thinking about the Bible and what the Word says, and I, and I, I like to take the Word literally. If it says something, I like to believe that that's the truth, okay? And, uh, you know, in the Bible where it says that if you tie, that you'd be, you know, shelled with abundance, you know, so your vats are overflowing. You know how it says that in the Bible? I said, that's not happening, Lord. Yeah. Now, uh, we've been tithing for a long time now. Yeah. <laughs> Show me the money. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. I was like, we've been tithing for such a long time now. Why is, not, why is the word not being fulfilled in its fullness yeah. in our lives? Yeah. And I think everyone should ask that. I think everyone should ask, why isn't this thing being fulfilled in my life? And so I said, God, Show me why my vats aren't overflowing. Show me why my life doesn't line up to what the Word of God says it should if I tithe. And um, he took me to this little scripture called uh, the parable of the sower. And that's in Matthew 13, 10, if you want to turn to that, please. And I'll... Where's my bookmarker? There it is. Is this okay so far? Yeah. Is this helping anyone? Yeah. 13, 10. And I'm going to go ahead. It says, uh, and the disciples came to him and said to him, why do you... No, 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 that's not it. Let's go up, 13, 3. And he's about to, Jesus is about to tell, talk the story of the parable of the sower. He says, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on the stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground, a yielded crop, some of hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I immediately just want to go to the page, same, same chapter, Matthew 13, but I'm going to go to 18. 
And now this is where Jesus actually explains the parable of the sower. He explains what he's just told. He says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what has sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside in the previous story. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, here's the, one I, here's the point I want to get to. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word of God, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So in the story, um, Jesus explains that, that the seed in the story is actually the word of God. Cool with that? And when I was reading this kind of thing, the thing that really jumped out to me is this. Where it says, now he received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word of God and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke the word. Now, we've got a lot to worry about. The cares of this world. How many of you guys have got things to worry about? Honestly, put your hand up. Yeah, yeah. We've all got, yeah, we're all, no, man, I'm the cares of this world. I've got my rent to pay. I've got my mortgage to pay. I've got my other thing in the house. I've got my daughter. You've got all these things going on. I've got to put this. I've got to do that. I've got to, do, I've got to be a better man. I've got to be a better woman. I've got, to, you know, I've got to look after those people. I've got to look after all these cares. All these cares start building up. And what the story showed me is that the power of worry is extremely, extremely powerful. Worry can actually cause Worry actually, as the Bible says, it actually chokes the word of God in your life so it bears no fruit. Worry and anxiety choke the word of God in your life so it bears no fruit. Not sin, not immorality, worry. Being a worry wart will actually choke the word of God of, of becoming fruitful in your life. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? It made me look at worry in a whole different manner again. It made me look at worry like, oh my gosh, stop worrying. You're killing yourself here. Worry actually has the power to choke the word of God so it's not fruitful. God showed me that the reason that the abundance wasn't coming in because I worried too much. I worried too much about the things of the world that actually choked the word of God from, from becoming fruitful in my world. And I realized that worry and anxiety aren't passive. Do not be deceived to believe that they're passive. It's, something, it's just our default mode that we do. We worry about stuff and then we get over it with a cup of coffee the next day. No, it's not like that. It actually has the power to take away the, of the word. It actually has the ability to take away the, word, uh, the power of the word of God in your life. Worry. Are you guys worried now? You guys worried? You guys worried? Oh my gosh, I worry so much. It's not funny. No wonder that thing's not happening. No wonder. I'm going to stop worrying. So, so when, I, when I got that little revelation, I, I said to my beautiful wife, I said, baby, she's pretty, yeah. <laughs> what? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I said, baby, she said, yes. I said, come on. So she come and what we did is we actually, um, uh, we wrote down all of the things we're worried about. Because the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, 6. But nor things make your prayers and supplications known to God. So what we thought, I'm going I'm to make my... Anxiety is known to God. So I said, baby, come over here. Let's write down all the things that we're worried about. So we did. <sighs> Scroll. <laughs> so we wrote down all the things that we're worried about. I'm worried about these, these things I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about that. So I did what the Bible says. 
Um, Philippians 4, 6. I'm actually going to read that out for you. So it's, I've got a mind blank right there. Who's got it, actually? Anyone got it? Philippians 4, 6. I'm going to beat you. Got it. Okay. So it says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds, in Christ Jesus. I'll say that again. That's beautiful. I love that. I love it. Let your, oh, where was I? Six. Yeah, there. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, that's a, that's a spirit of humility, thank you, Lord, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which is the opposite of worry, huh? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, guard your hearts, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we did it. Yeah, yeah. Make all my requests down there. And there's a big one at the bottom. There's a really big one at the bottom, and we were waiting. We're looking at a at a licensing thing for our for our um, to be company, and um, it generally takes a long time for it to come through. It takes you know around about eight weeks or whatever it is around about that kind of thing. And we did this on a Tuesday, and by Friday that licensing had come through straight away. Yeah. So the deal is, don't worry about stuff. Yeah. Do not worry. Now that's going to challenge some of you guys. Challenge me. Do not worry. Do not worry because it kills the word of God in your life. All that stuff you've been striving for all these years, killed by worry. So I found that worry actually stops me from walking in to what God has called me to do, number one. Second one is um, in uh, Genesis, where was I? All these pages. Genesis 3, verses 1 to 4. Just turn there if you can, please. Got it? Oh. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Can you continue on with that, please? And the woman said to the serpent, keep going, we may eat fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. You will not surely die. That's what he said. Whew. Tough crowd, tough crowd. So, I love this. The fall of mankind, the doom of all mankind, come about because of a conversation. The fall of all of mankind came about because of a conversation between a snake and a person. My next point is this. Watch who you talk to and watch who you let speak into your life. I love this. That's my baby. I love this. It's interesting because the devil comes up and this is what he says. And the serpent was more cunning than the beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed says you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What the, what the enemy does, he comes along and he tries to undermine what God has said. 
Immediately he comes along and tries to undermine the word of God. Has God said? Has God said that you should not do it? Maybe everyone else, but has God said that he personalizes it? Has God said that you should not eat of the tree? What he does, he comes along as he undermines the word of God. He undermines the authority, the authenticity of the word of God. Has God truly said? Has God truly said, rah? And the thing is, because of this conversation, the whole world is doomed. She falls into sin, man does as well, all that kind of stuff. Unfortunate thing is this conversation still happens today. This very conversation still happens today. It happens in the quiet place in your head. It happens in this quiet place in your head. Um, has God really said that about you? Has God really called you to do that? Are you with me? Has God really called you to do that flexi? Has he done that? And there comes a time in every Christian's walk when they have to stop listening to the snake. Has God really said? And we do it silently. We do it in our own little privacy. Has God really? And it comes in different forms. It can come with people. It can come with MTV, which tells you that you should, you know, has God really said that you live that way when you can twerk and whatever? <laughs> comes in all these different forms, you know. Has God really said that you should blah, 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 blah. And I think, I think one of the most tragic things today is I see people come into the house of God and they get built up and they get encouraged around the word of God and then immediately they have a, converse, have a little conversation with the snake. They walk out that door, and by the time they hit their car park, they're already talked out of it. They're already doubting. Has God really said that, Luke, really, honestly? You know, has God really said that? Or they believe the word of God, but they don't believe it for them. Oh, yeah, I believe in healing, but not can't believe for healing for me. Are you with me? Has God really said? I think this is powerful. I think this is a hidden thing that none of us talk about. I think this is this hidden thing that goes on inside of every one of our minds that nobody talks about. Because you get all, yeah, come on, we can do this, yeah, yeah. Then as soon as you walk, turn around, you walk out, you know, our God reigns, our God reigns. You walk out of the door, and by the car park, like I said, you, you, you've talked out of it already. Watch who you let speak into your life. I've got to say that this is probably the most prominent thing that I've ever come across in my own world. People have spoken it over me. Yeah, oh, you're going to do this. I've read in the word, oh, you're going to do this. God has told me, oh, you're going to do this. But I've kept this conversation up with the snake. I've kept the conversation open with the snake. Has God really told you to do that, Ra? Has, it, has God really told you to do that? And I think that for me, like I said, this has been the hardest thing to overcome. The hardest thing to go, has God undermining the word of God? Somewhere along the lines of your Christian walk, somewhere along the line, you've actually got to let this thing speak louder than the snake. Somewhere along the line, this thing has to speak louder than MTV, Hollywood, all those things, louder than the snake. Has God, yes, it has. He actually has said about me. I'm a man of God about to preach the word of God. Are you with me? When the church actually gets, I think this is huge. I really think this is huge. This is huge. This is a huge thing in people's worlds, not just Christians, everybody. Has God said that you're going to amount to anything? Might be said through your dad or through whatever. You're not going to amount to anything. Has God said that you're actually going to make something of yourself? 
Has God said that you're good enough? What about your past? What about that thing? And, you, and, you, and I'm telling you, man, so many people get deliberated. Uh, what's that word? Debilitated, yes. Who was that? Sisters, got my back. Some of us are so deliberated by the snake before we even start. By the snake before we even start. But like I said, this thing has to, at one point in your life, you've got to say, this is my source of everything. This is who I am. I don't care what you say. I don't care what everyone else says. I don't care. I'm leaving my family. I'm leaving. I'm, this is who I am. This is what I've called to do. This thing here. This thing here. Because, oh, I'll tell you what. Oh, I won't go there. Have I got time? Oh, no, I don't. It's over. These aren't like, these aren't my, this is my usual, like, you know, message. This is like, I want to give people stuff to go home with that will actually help them to actually walk into what God has got them to do. I want, I've got a real quick one. Is that cool? Um, Hebrews 11. Turn to me. It's coming. Got it? No. Hebrews. Hebrews. Philippians. Coming. I wasn't going to say this, but I think it needs to be said. Seriously, not trying to be funny. Okay. Oh, someone. Dude. Two seconds left. All right, Hebrews 11. This is my very last one. Hebrews 11, verse 15. It says, if they had been, they're talking about, this is referring to all the men, all the fathers of faith. It says this, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to, to return. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Stop looking at your past. Stop looking at your past. Seriously, stop looking at your past. When you get in a car to get to somewhere, you don't go looking in the rear vision mirror. Stop looking at your past. Stop looking behind you. Stop doing, oh, you don't know, I'd love to to get on the call of God in my life, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You You don't know where I've come from. You don't know all the things that I've done in the past. Stop looking at your past. Stop looking at the things behind you. I've got to be quick, but... Stop doing it. God doesn't want you to. I've got, I was changing my baby once and she's angelic up here, but sometimes down there, oh my goodness. <laughs> Nagasaki and Hiroshima all in one thing. It's all this kind of stuff. And she's very angelic in that kind of stuff. But sometimes I'm down there, I'm just like, wow, how do you do that? How do you, look, look, doesn't match, you know? <laughs> And I was changing my daughter one time, and I was sitting there, I was thinking, man, you stink. Like, you are, that's a mess, baby. That's like, and it's smelly, and it's yuck. And I'm like, there's been a couple of times where I've actually dry-reached of my daughter. So, yeah. And I've got a pretty manly stomach, serious. I've got a pretty, like, yeah, I think I'm pretty, yeah. But my daughter, this is a mess and this mess and I'm thinking oh man and I'm cleaning this up I'm cleaning up you know a thousand wipes and cleaning them up and always wipe down not up and all that kind of stuff and I'm cleaning 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 my door cleaning it up you know all this kind of stuff and it came to me that and it came to me it came to me that that's exactly what God wants to do with us 
you know what? I was cleaning it up and it was disgusting and it was smelling, but I, but I, I wanted to do it because I loved it. I didn't want my daughter to stay in her mess. I didn't want my daughter traveling, crawling, walking around in her mess. I loved her so much that I'm like, get yourself out of this thing, seriously. Maybe give me a towel or something, you know. What a hose, you know. But the deal is this. I loved her so much that I didn't want her in her mess. I was happy to clean her up. I want to clean it up. It's my joy to clean her up because I, I, I'm like, I don't want you in that, baby. Like, I want you to get out of that kind of stuff. And that's how God feels about you. He doesn't want you to wallow in your mess. He loves you. He wants to clean that thing up and just let... Are you with me? Stop wallowing in your mess. Stop wallowing in your yesterday. Why? I was like, what are you doing? If my daughter wanted to crawl around in a wet, it would kill me. It's like... This will kill me, but the fact that she actually wants to crawl around in her mess would be disturbing for me. No, come here, come here. Let me clean you up. Let me let me let me sort you out. Tell comparison, smell nice. You know? That's what God wants to do with you. That's what God wants to do with your past. Get out of your mess. Stop wallowing in it. I'm so bad. Just let me clean it up. Let me clean it up. Just relax. I'm your dad. I'm going to clean the thing up. On your way. Move on. Brand new day. Don't get caught up in your past. Amen. Or just stand to our feet. Thank you, Van. You can come up. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.